remain standing just a moment now as we bow for prayer. Let's bow our heads. And if there's any special request, would you just let it be known by your hands uplifted? Now hold in your heart those things that you need and ask the Heavenly Father that He'll grant it. Our Heavenly Father, we are coming to Thee now in the name of the Lord Jesus. We are coming believing that the things that we desire is to be made known in prayer, and if we would believe that we receive what we ask for, it would be granted. Uh, that promise is so true. All these years we've seen it tested, and we know that it's true. We want to thank you first for sparing our lives and permitting us to be back here again together, assembled here in the congregation of the Lord. We thank Thee for the church and for the pastor and for the great truth in which it's built here and stands for. We thank Thee for every person that's in divine presence. And we ask that You'll be merciful to us today and grant unto us the understanding that we have need of, that we might be a more efficient servants for Thee. It's our heart's desire to serve thee with reverence and with a true heart and that you might get the very best out of our lives. Every day may our walks be so that you'll be well pleased with the things that we did for that day. Now we pray for all the sick and the needy today that's in the divine presence here and in the presence of your sanctuaries everywhere around the world that the great Jehovah will come in his power and heal all the sick and afflicted. Give glory unto thy great name. Bless every secret in the heart this morning of those requests for prayer. We pray now as you look down into every heart and see what they had reference to as they raise their hands and give to them their desires. And bless us as we further worship you and when we leave the building this morning and we go to our homes, may we be able to say like those who came from Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke to us along the way? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to say that it's good this morning to be here again in the congregation of the people in the presence of the Lord. It's been a few months since I was back, and last Sunday I intended to come down, but uh, I suppose it wasn't the will of the Lord. Somehow the valley here is very unhealthy for me. As soon as I come into the valley, I'm allergic to this air that's in here, and I break out in hives all over, and I think the hives went right straight into the stomach, and I was so sick, I shivering and shaking and chilled. I just couldn't come down all the way. And I, I know that uh, the valley is very unhealthy and it's unhealthy and, and I'm not supposed to live in it. Now, we want to report we have had a great time in the services of the Lord out across the different parts of the country where the Lord has called us to minister. And now, uh, I wasn't expecting to speak this morning uh, on any certain thing. If Brother Neville 
so wanted me to to say something of uh, being here with the people. So I'm he's always gracious in that way as we all know. Uh, Brother Neville and we love Brother Neville and I, there isn't a day that I don't think about him and his uh, wife and family and his children pray for them. Uh, God give him strength to go on, carry on. As we know our time is running out. We're just so close of tomorrow. That's the evening lights of the day. And uh, our families out in the West, we all got along fine and uh, gained 12 pounds and lost 10 of it since I've been back. And uh, Billy Paul gained 18 pounds. And Rebecca and Sarah and Joseph all gained. Of course, my wife didn't gain. So... <laughs> So I'd be daring to say that up here, because you know, I have to go home after a while. But we had a, a wonderful, a wonderful time, and so grateful. We kind of had I thought to come back, but there's one great thing, two things mainly that we missed. That there's no other place can take us place. One thing, our friends here and the church. No matter where we go, we find friends, and we're grateful for our friends, but there's something about those friends who stuck with you through the thick and thin that there's no way to substitute them friends. No matter what any other friend could be, there's no way to substitute a friend like that. You're just weaved into them. You're one. And we together looking for the coming of the Lord as the days go on, and it's kind of hard to try to think that you, can, you cannot be separated it comes to my mind of a scripture that I believe Paul wrote and said in the Corinthians that there's nothing present, nothing future, and no powers, neither nakedness, starvation, peril, or any creature present, neither life nor death can separate us from the love of God that's in Jesus Christ. Amen. How that even death itself will never separate us because... We have been joined together in heart in this great fellowship around the Word of God, and even death itself will not separate us. We'll be united in the great eternals for all times and ages. And then the children. Uh, of a morning, we would go to church, of course, but everywhere you go, there's not a, it isn't the little tabernacle on the corner. And uh, there's something about it. I, I miss hearing that little old bell and hanging uh, up there on top of the morning and I think it isn't ringing at the time because they haven't put the steeple on just yet for the bell and then together here at 8th and Penn Street for some 35 years ago kneeling here in an old swamp to build my first church how the Lord Jesus dealt with me on that and today it stands as a little shrine here and uh, as a brick mortar it stands as a shrine, but down in the inside of my heart, it's a shrine that will last as long as I have memory. And, um, and what makes the church is not the building, it's the people who gather beneath it to worship God. We're grateful for these things. Now, I thought maybe, being that our time was up almost, and we don't have much time left, I would just kind of brief you on some things that happened. And um, then I'm going to make some tapes while I'm here because I promised you all see, that any new message, tape message, would first be from this platform. Here's where all the tapes are made. Not out there. 
Now, Brother Jim and them goes along and sells hates in the meeting and so forth, but there's, it's always on something that's come forth from here first. See, just check anywhere back, you'll find it. That's my promise to you. And it will continue that way until the Lord God changes it. And I think now that our tape customers, which around the world, a message that goes forth from here circles the globe. See, out into the jungles and everywhere it goes. By tape recordings and to the heathens and so forth, by many, many different languages it's interpreted in. So I want, while I'm here, the Lord willing to make some new tapes. And maybe, if the pastor hasn't got something burning for his heart tonight, well, I'd like to maybe make a tape tonight, and then I'm going to Arkansas tomorrow, and or Tuesday, rather, Tuesday morning, to help out in a little convention there with the International Brotherhood of Christians. I think, or maybe I mispronounced that. It's uh, something about National Brotherhood of Christian. I really don't know. I'm sorry. That's awful, isn't it? Thank you, sir. Associated Brotherhood of Christians. And um, I was supposed to have, through, from Sunday now, on through, but I'll help today for the tabernacle to be down here. And then um, then I'll get out on Friday. Is that the, sir? Friday's when the, the uh, meetings close down there. And I'll try to get back Saturday night to be here Sunday morning. The Lord willing, I'll make another tape. Amen. And uh, maybe sometimes along down I want to make a few tapes before we go. And then I'm really pressing for Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to that convention. And then uh, and then they come back. And then I'm supposed to go by all means to Anchorage. See, and, um, and from uh, Fairbanks and Lang Anchorage for the Christian full gospel businessman uh, on those chapters. And then back, and if the Lord willing, up to Chicago at the last week in July. And uh, I suppose then about that time I'll have to hurry the children off to Arizona again to be in, uh, get them in school out there. Because, Charlie, I have to be here about the 15th of August, so I, I want to be back by that time, uh, the Lord willing, down in Kentucky. <laughs> Everybody laughing. Maybe some of the newcomers wouldn't know what that meant. And, uh, it's funny, I hope it don't sound bad from the platform, but that's when squirrel season comes in. <laughs> Mama talks, I'm feeling on that. So, uh, for a couple weeks down there for my vacation. Now, I believe, the uh, I got something here that Billy wrote me some little notes, and one of them said, Daddy, Brother Neville wants to know if you could dedicate two children. Yes. Certainly. Let's be fine. And, um, yes, we have a, a dedicational service. That, uh, we might as well have that now. And then I think we'll kind of take the next 45 minutes or something on breathing on uh, some of the things that's taking place. Now, many of the people and churches, being that uh, when I... This is an open tabernacle. It's never been a denomination. God grant that it won't. Never. Because we want this a place where we have... No, no law but love, no creed but Christ, no textbook but the Bible. And then we do not have membership, we have fellowship, one with another, for all people, all denominations. Everybody's welcome, and we, have, and we have fellowship around the Word of God where everybody can feel welcome as they can be. In principle, we just... Love the Lord Jesus and, 
And we're not a, a scholarly group here. We're just plain people that try to just read the Bible and put no interpretation to it outside of what it just said. Just, I believe that God will judge the world someday by the Bible. Amen. Now, if he's going to judge the world. And if there isn't a standard to judge the by, how will the people know what to do? See, it would be God. You could not pin injustice to, to God. And God's got to have something for his standard that he judges the people by. Therefore, if he judges it by the Roman Catholic Church, then the Greek Church, the Orthodox Catholic, and many of those are certainly lost. And all the rest of the world. If he judges it by the Greek Orthodox Catholic Church and not by the Roman Church and the other, then the Roman Church and all the rest is lost. If he judges it by the Lutheran Church, then the Presbyterians is gone. If he judges it by the Presbyterians, the Lutheran Baptist is gone. See? So if he judges it by the Pentecostal, then all besides Pentecostals is gone. But he'll not judge it by any church, in my opinion, because there's too much differences and too much confusion. But he'll judge it, the Bible says, he'll judge the world by Jesus Christ. Now, that's scriptural. Amen. Now, and the Bible said that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he is the Word. And this is Christ in letter form. And in the book of Apocalypse to the Catholic, Revelation to the Protestant, in the 22nd chapter when the book was finished, Jesus said himself, if any man will take one word from this book or add one word to it, the same his part will be taken from the book of life. Amen. So uh, the reason we believe this is they just exactly... Nothing. He can do things that he hasn't written here. We know that. But as long as we just stay with what he has wrote, that'll be fine. Now, in dedication of children, many of the people, the Methodists, sprinkle them, and, and I think they had their first uh, communion in the Catholic Church or Lutheran along about 12 years old and kind of a, a baptismal service when they're born. Uh, I think the babies are sprinkled and... and uh, I think that split the Nazarene from the Methodist many years ago in infant baptism. I think that's right, Brother Brown. I, I, I believe that that was what split the Methodist church and the Nazarene, because the Nazarene didn't accept infant baptism. But to us, here at the tabernacle, if we were to stay with what the Bible says, there's no place in the Bible where they ever did sprinkle anybody, uh, let alone a baby, not even an adult. But they... The Bible says, the only place of our Bible for the children, they brought infants to Jesus. And he, that he might put his hands upon them and bless them. And he said, suffer little children to come to me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Now, therefore, we know that we are poor hands, the pastor and I or any other pastor, to take the hands of the Lord Jesus. And if he was here this morning, these parents would bring that baby to Christ. But being that we are here in representation of him, that we represent him, they bring the children to us, and we dedicate them to the Lord by laying our hands up on him in commemoration of his great word and his act. So that's how we dedicate 
the little one. I thought maybe some mother might be here with her baby that's never been dedicated to the Lord, that she might want to come along with these mothers or fathers who will be dedicating their children. We just bring them up here and present them to God and pray over them and tell the Lord that we lay our hands up on them and, and a substitute way for His. And that's as close to the Scripture as I've ever found yet. Now, you might get your textbook out and find something that some a group of man said, but I mean what the Word says, you see. Now, I think I've made it real, real clear what it is. Now, if the pianist or you the pianist um, will come up here. Is that awful in my own church? Ask, who's the pianist? I almost have to knock at the door. <laughs> All right. They sing this little song or play it. Bring them in. Bring them in. Bring the little ones to Jesus. And while the congregation sings this, let's stand to our feet and let the mothers and fathers that bring their little ones come down and sing. All right. Bring
our Heavenly Father, the Father of these little ones, holds now in His arms the last little treasure that you give in the form of a child, named it from His Father, James. God grant that you'll be a man of wisdom like James and in the Bible. I pray that you'll give him a long, healthy life, Lord, and may he raise up as there is a tomorrow and lay past the word of God. Grant us, Father. Commemoration of what Jesus Christ our Lord did when he was on earth, I lay my hands up on the little James Cool, dedicating to the service of God.
is, uh, if you want to come listen, all right, after the pastor gets through his message, then I'll have my, uh, I'll make this tape. I want to preach it on the flashing red light of his coming. One of the flashes is right on us right now. And I want to speak on that tonight. The flashing red light of his, he's here, being right on the hand right now. Uh, uh, signals down. Amen. The train's in the block. Numbers 16th chapter to you who will turn and read. This is the eternal word, so let's read reverently. I want to read two verses of Numbers 16, the third and fourth verse, to get a little background on what I wish to say. And now, if the tapes are not on, I wish they would turn them on now or fix it so that this part here will be able to be sent out. This is going out of the order. Can you fix your tapes in there? This part here will be separate from the rest of the service. See, this is a new thing. Now, if you can block it right here or whatever you do, well, then we'll... Um, would you like me to snap it off just a second and turn it back on so you give you a block to where to start from or can you start there anyhow? Start anyhow. Now, we're going to read Numbers 16, 3 and 4. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and said unto them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregations are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore, then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. Our Heavenly Father, bless these few words and may the meditation of our heart and the fruits of our lips be acceptable in thy sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to take this as a text for what I wish to say this morning. Standing in the gap. At this time that we're speaking of, or reading, of course we all understand that it was when Dathan and, uh, and Korah had decided that uh, they would interfere with the the commission that God had given to Moses, saying, you ought to let the whole congregation... Uh, do such and such. They're all holy. And God had commanded Moses to lead the people to the promised land. And they said, you take it upon yourself to do too much. You try to make yourself the only one in the bunch that has got any say-so. And this displeased God so much until he told Moses, separate yourself from among them. I'll I'll just kill the whole bunch and start a new generation with you. And Moses fell in the presence of God and said, and that's come over him. See? Now, today, if God was going to liquidate the people, and there was a time that when God had got tired of fooling with our sin, we constantly going wrong, who would stand like Moses today for the people? Where would we find a person that would stand or could stand? That God would accept like he did Moses. And Moses' own life on earth meant so much to God till it 
stayed the wrath of God, and God would not cross over Moses. That always was a puzzle to me to I one day in revelation of the scriptures there came this thought to me that to see Moses in act was every way substituting he was a type of Jesus Christ. And when God was going to take the life of the whole world and destroy it, and all were sinners and condemned to die, Christ died for us all. And God could not cross over Christ, being his own son, and then Jesus gave himself freely that he might pay the way then, if Moses couldn't have done that. Moses had no blood but human blood like we are. So therefore his blood would not be, it would not suffice but Jesus being the blood of God himself, the creative blood of God, God just excuses the entire human race of sin because it's all laid upon him and he went to Calvary and died out of the presence of God and suffered and was cast into hell because he was sin made our sins upon him and there being our our burden barrier took our sins to to Calvary and from Calvary to hell and God raised him up on the third day for a propitiation of our sins and today he's the only mediator between God and man and we're freely pardoned for God raised him up on the third day for a propitiation of our sins and today he's the only mediator between God and man and we're freely pardoned and forgiven. God don't even know we ever sinned. Our sins were put in the sea of forgiveness never to be remembered no more. We cannot do that ourselves. We're finite. He's infinite. And our finite, we can still remember because we're not big enough. But he's so great that he even forgets we ever did sin. We're sons and daughters in his presence. And all things that he was, we are. He become my sin that I might become his righteousness. He become your sin that your, he, you might become his righteousness. So God cannot see no sin in you as long as your confession is in Christ Jesus. Someone said some time ago, said, if I believed a thing like that, would I ever turn on the steam? I'd paint the town red. I'd go to every dance hall. I'd get so drunk and everything because, why, you're already secured in Christ. What difference does it make? I said, that shows you haven't got it. If the love of God ever struck your heart in the tenderness of Jesus Christ, you'd be so in love with Him, the world would be dead in your sin. That's how you know you have the Holy Spirit. Not because that you can scream, shout, speak your tongues or whatever it is, but when sin becomes dead and you're alive in Jesus Christ. Oh, love of God, how rich, how pure. Amen. Here in Louisville, Kentucky, not long ago, a minister was talking that there was a, a young lady. She'd waited a little long in life to be married somewhere around her 25, 30 years old. And she was a fine, staunch Christian girl. And there was a certain man in Louisville that wasn't, uh, he hadn't lived such a good life. He had run the dances and road houses and so forth. But one day, he found pardon for his sin. And he, he become a real Christian, real staunch Christian. About a year later, he fell in love with this young lady. And the young lady madly fell in love with him. And they were married. And they lived together about two years and said that, this young lady said to her husband one day, she said, Dear, 
I suppose that's kind of hard for you, just a new Christian. So I've been a Christian since a little girl. But said for you, a young Christian, to have to stand all the, the, the wiles and temptations that goes with it after you have sinned so long. And he said, well, it does become a battle. She said, I want you to remember one thing. That if the enemy does upset you somewhere, and you fall, and you go back into sin, don't stay away from home. I want you to come on home. That you're going to find at home the same wife that you married. And said, I'll help you to pray back and pray through and get back to God again. Said, I, I, I don't want you to stay away. Said, look, I married you upon the basis, not of what you were, but I married you because I loved you. And she said, no matter what you do, I still love you. I married you because I love you. And the man that day went to work, was re- heard repeating it in the, the place where he was working. He said, now how could a man do anything wrong against something like that? When a woman that loves him so much, and no matter what he did, was willing to come back and take him again and try it again. See? It shows now you multiply that by billions, and then you have some idea of what the love of God is. That when a man falls in love with Jesus Christ, the things of the world, when you think of what he did for you in the light of the Scripture, not in the light of some emotion, but in the light of facts, what it is, then there's something happens in you when the new birth comes to sin and dead as midnight. And as long as that light is in you, how can darkness shine? It cannot do it. That's what God did to one man who threw himself in the gap that could take the promise. And Moses being a, a type of this antitype, that's why Moses stood in the gap for the people. Then I wonder, in this day of this loose, lazy, soft, Laodicea age that we live in, we all know we've been through the church ages. That we're living in the last age, the Lady Osea church age. And in this lazy, loose, happy go lucky, joking, sinful age of lust that we're living in now, it's a wonder that God doesn't just say, step back, church. I'll just liquidate the whole group, see? What an age that we're living in. And he will do that one of these days, too. We know that it's coming. There is going to be no sparing to this. Because he's already someone died for those who wanted to escape. But he'll take those who was or has accepted Christ and become Christians. They'll be taken out of the wrath. Because then he could not do it. There was no way of doing it in the time of Moses. Now, in the book of the Revelation, when we get to the Lady of Sea Church age, in the Revelation, the third chapter, the Bible said that this age, the Laodicea age, was blind. That because you are rich, you say you're rich, and you're increased in goods, greatest churches, the finest dressed people, the greatest that there's been in any age, because you say, I have need of nothing, nor thou not that thou art poor. Miserable, wretched, naked, blind, and don't know. Now, if a man was in this condition and you could tell him his condition, or you try to help himself even if he is mentally right. 
But when he's in that condition, you can't tell him any different. He just don't believe it, he's naked. He doesn't believe that he's in that shape. Then it shows here that he's blind. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of those that refuse to serve Christ. And they're so blind they can't see the signs that we're living in. The hour. The time that we are living in. And remember, there's already been one standing in the gap and no one else can stand. You either have to accept that, that remedy or you're doomed. Now, now to us, to get close now to what I want to say, could we stand, now I'm preaching to myself in this, could we stand and see a human being that's blind, physically blind, and know that he's walking over a cliff? Could we in our our state of mind that we're in this morning, could we stand and see a blind man walk over a cliff blind and not try to warn him? It would be, there would be so cruel, we would be so indifferent in our hearts. Could you imagine a person getting so indifferent that he could almost laugh and see a blind man that cannot see, can't help himself, deliberately walk over a cliff. That would be um, a bad thing. Do nothing about it. Well, to my brother, world over, I want to make this confession. Uh, I humbly say it. Uh, that's just about what I was doing, or fixing to do. I had been preaching for years, and I, I become an old man, and an old veteran preacher. I had a lot of hard battles, um, made, um, scarred, all cut up on the inside from fight, because my lot that the Lord gave me was not back to kiss the babies and, and marry the young and bury the old, but it was to hold a two-handed sword at the battlefront against the wiles of, of paganism and demonology and, and the powers of darkness and fight it with the Word of God till I've seen the enemy defeated. I've been cut deep many times. Then when I come with the message in this day, and I've said to the church the things that I am about to say, and I predicted years ago when the Holy Spirit called me to this work, and there isn't a person living on earth today that could ever say that the Lord ever let me tell you anything in His name but what come to pass. Just exactly the way it was to be done. How did He set me out first, and the first gift, and the second gift and the things that's been said or done the world over and literally millions have come to Christ and tens of thousands of preachers inspired that start a revival that sweeps the entire face of the earth today. And being that the Pentecostals was the one who received my message, they's the one that gained ground. The Pentecostal church shows more conversions than the little group of Pentecostals and all the rest of the churches put together. That's the 50. Why? Because of them receiving 
truth and receiving the revival. And now, after the great time come of the healing of the sick, the casting out of devils and the raising up of the dead, which were all witnesses and so is many doctors and great men of the earth, and the appearing of the Lord Jesus among us and in the sign there, as you see, I guess on the wall, wherever it is, the, the angel of the Lord and how the scientists have copyrighted it and it's it's a known fact the world over and see the very things that he did come to pass every time. Then if the pillar of fire that went with Israel across the wilderness in the days of Moses that we are now, that Moses was called the servant of the Lord, and he followed a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And when Jesus was on earth, he said that he was that God. He said, Before Abraham was, I am. And I am was the pillar of fire that was in the burning bush that spoke to Moses in the, uh, the days gone by. I think that's correct. Then he said, I come from God and I go to God. And when he was crucified, died and rose and ascended on high and laid his body down upon the great altar of the eternal God, does there ever be present to act in our place to know that He had paid our sin debt? And there He returned back to the earth again in the form of a great pillar of fire. St. Paul, on his road, before he was called St. Paul, he was called Saul of Tarsus. And on his road down to Damascus to arrest some people who were making too much noise and shouting and preaching a gospel that was contrary to the tradition of the churches. On his road down one day about this time in the day, he was stricken down by a great light. And this great light, being, being a Jew and know that the pillar of fire had led the children of Israel, and here it was before him again, he cried out, Lord! Now, if you notice in your translations on both King James and the Standard, and all, it's capital L-O-R-D. And anyone who knows their Bible knows that when that's capital L-O-R-D is Elohim. The all-sufficient one that created the heavens and earth in Genesis 1-1. Lord! Now, Paul would have not called some optical illusion. He wouldn't have called some, something that he didn't know about because he was a trained man. In the, in the scriptures, come up under Gamaliel, the great teacher of that day, and he would not have called that Lord. He wasn't satisfied that that was Jehovah. He said, Lord, who are you? Listen to the voice come back. I'm Jesus. The same yesterday, today, and forever. So I think in the midst of all of it, before going any farther, both here and across the world, the people who will be listening... And listening now will know that it is proven by every act to be Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Done the very same things that he did. Healed the sick, know the thoughts of the mind, for showed forth things that would come to pass, and every time perfectly through these years, I'm 54 years old and saw vision since I was about 18 months old, and not one time, but every time it's been the truth. Now, that has to be God. And then me thinking that, why are the people so blind? 
that they can't see that. And constantly when I talk to our, our women about bobbing their hair and the ministers bawling me out about it and about them wearing immoral clothes of these shorts and, and, and laying out like that and, and carrying on of that evil way and about our man, the way they were doing smoking and taking sociable drinks and, and everything and then still calling themselves Christians and taking communion at the table because if they belonged to an organization, oh, it was just simply they thought I blasphemed God. And did the women get better? They got worse across the nation. Then I, being a nervous, I say this kind of quietly, maybe a neurotically type of person that I am, and knowing that I was insufficient at the beginning for the job, as many as complained and had it to do, it was hard. But I, I thought, God, why didn't you call somebody that could have done it? Now, I, I'm sorry, but I, I failed if people just won't listen to me. And I failed to do what I should have done somewhere because they won't listen. My mother, that's just passed on into glory about, about a little over a year ago, my mother... Her father was a, a hunter, and I think I got all to come out from him, and that stands off. I, I, I love the woods. And I thought, if this people uh, that call themselves Christians, if they don't want to listen to the message that I'm preaching, then let them alone. I'll just stop it all together, and I'll go up into the mountains, and I'll know a friend, a word, many of you here remember me predicting the time about six months before it happened, how that I would go to a place right from this platform here, and there would be an animal that looked like a deer with pointed horns, and how it'd be 42 inches, and how there'd be a seven-foot silver-tipped grizzly, you got it on tapes and everything. I get that, you remember the time already. Well, it's laying in my room up there now to, to show that's the truth. Now, just on things like that, because it's just before the going of my mother, and he is wanting to quiet me for that great shock that he knew he was a tailor. Now, I met a man who was a Christian, and he's got a great country right under Alaska. And I had made up in my mind that being I'd left here and gone west, that I would take my wife and kind of trap her into something. I'd get her up there, and I'd become a guide. And then if the Lord wanted me to do something, I'd let my hair grow out, and, and I, I, my whiskers, and... And I, I'd go back in there and be a guide. There's only about two or three Indians live back in the country there. And I, I'd just be a, a guide. And I'd help Bud if the Lord wanted me to do anything. Then I'd, I'd say, all right, Lord, you give me a vision. I'd slip on out. And I said to people, I've never regarded myself, anybody knowing this. But people said, Brother Bram, the Lord called you to be his prophet. Well, I, I've never regarded myself as that. But I began to get the time that I was about ready to do it. I think, well, maybe I am. If I am, I'll live back in the wilderness. And if I live back in the wilderness, then I'll, I'll, I'll be his prophet. See, and then if he wants to send me somewhere while he's not using me, then I'll sure catch some fine fish and, and do some things. Of course, that was kind of a selfish attitude, see, because I wanted to do that. Now, it isn't just exactly the thing that to do. Now, I had that made up in my mind to do that. And now, just before... The seven church ages is preached. As they're drawn there, there's many today that was here during that time and know that how the Lord did bless that on the wall back there reflected it. How many sure now that was there then when he came? That did. 
Then I remember then a, a brother Jackson, he's usually with us. Brother Junior Jackson, the Methodist, was a Methodist minister. Yeah, here he is sitting over here now. Now, that he come to me with a dream. And then some more brethren come with similar dreams. Now, the Lord's been real good to me. And I have never, and take you to record this morning, have I ever told you a wrong interpretation of a dream. No, sir, because of the Lord, I will not speak it, I'll see it over again. And know what he says about it, and then I'll tell you. And then he said, I, I was having a service down to his church. And he, somehow or another, he was real nervous that night. And he ran out of the church and come around the other way and met me in a car. And the people passing by said, I want to tell you something. And he told me that he dreamed a dream that up here somewhere like in Indiana, that there was a long, great grassy hill and the water washed all the soil off the top and become rock like a, a bald top on the, on the mountain. And then in this uh, rock, there was funny writing. Instead, I was standing there with all the brethren around the church here interpreting this writing. And then when it comes to time that I got all of it interpreted, then that I, somehow or another, if I understand the dream right, got a hold of something like a crowbar or, or some kind of an angle bar or something, or not an angle bar, I mean a, a pry bar or something, and just cut the top of that mountain out and lifted it up. And on the inside of it was white rock. Something on the order of granite or, or something on that side, some white rock that wasn't written on. And I said to the brethren, stay here looking on this. And I, while they were all looking, I stepped out from among them and started going west. And Brother Jackson said that he saw me going over one hill and then another hill, getting smaller and smaller, going west. Do you remember that? Well, the interpretation of that, of course, was given here at the church before it comes to pass. That the, the time is now that I believe that the full revelation through the age of Luther, Wesley, and John Smith, Alexander Campbell, and different ones, that's preached on the Bible, and then we got over in the Bible and showed that there would be a, a seventh angel's message. And at the sounding of the seventh angel's message, all the mysteries of God would be made known. Then comes seven mysterious thunder. And now, if it is that end, age that we're living in, where we've come up to justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Spirit, and had signs, wonders, and all different things, and the gifts has returned to the church, such as divine healing and prophecy and, and speaking with tongues and interpretations. And though it's been misrepresented terrifically, but yet that don't take away there's a good one, there's a true one, a real, genuine a gift of speaking in tongues that's always supposed to be in the church. We have a lot of impersonations. We have people get up and try to act like Christians and their lives don't compare. So there's something wrong. Jesus said, by their fruit, you'll know. That's how you know a Christian by how he lives. Don't ever jump any higher than you live. So then just but in that, it's the devil making a scarecrow to keep the real genuine believers away from the true thing of it. But God help us to separate and be able to discern between right and wrong. And, and the Word will always straighten that out. Now, we find that in this, I told you, that the interpretation on the rock, and the rock is Christ, that was in the <laughs> brother's dream. And that's the Bible. And for all these years, the Bible's been interpreted till we've been absolutely Give it the ecclesiastical interpretation through
through. And the last gift being added in the Lady of Sea and Age, which is the seventh angel's time to preach in the Lady of Sea and Age, that time, that there would be a lot of things that was misconstrued down through the ages. Like Luther preached justification, but he let it run wild because he didn't live long enough. And along, then you organized the church. Luther never organized it. After Luther. And then Wesley come forth. And after Wesley, they got the Wesley church. And then after that come John Smith the Baptist and then Alexander Campbell and so forth. But the man, the reformers, didn't live long enough to get it all together. And so there's a lot of loose ends left like. And then when they did, for instance, the water baptism that John Smith brought back uh, the water baptism and, and immersing. But using the title and many of those things that was left loose. And then when we come down to the end, the last message is supposed to straighten that all up. To bring these things to one faith, one Lord, one baptism. And now, after the Bible had been interpreted completely, then you notice it opened up the top of the pyramid. Like rock. Not pyramid teaching now. Not that because I... The man who teaches that pyramid doctrine, I guess they know what they're talking about. I know nothing about it. But, however, it was in the shape of a pyramid. But the cap on the pyramid was never put on. I've been in Cairo and, and in Egypt, and, and the cap never did come because it was a cornerstone. It was a headstone. In the church, it was the cornerstone. In the full church, it was a headstone. So it never did come. It was rejected, Christ. And it will come. And I believe that when it's coming that the church will shape into a place from justification under Luther, sanctification under Wesley, and the Pentecostal message will bring the church to such a minority and a ministry will be among those people to be exactly the same ministry that Jesus Christ did that will bring Jesus and cuts the whole thing away. All those honest and true Luther, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, and whoever is born of the Spirit of God will be caught away with Jesus Christ. When I believe that. I differ with some of our Pentecostal brothers who believe that the rent of the church is those who will be caught away in this last age. I differ there because God, how could a man, how could God, if we would say how could he, he can do what he wishes to, but God who promised Luther under justification, that's all they know. See? He promised to take the church. I can believe by the grace of God and by the Scriptures support it because he didn't come in the first watch and they went to sleep in the second watch on down. In the seventh watch he comes. That's the seventh church age. That's the seventh angel's message. Okay. And when he comes, all those virgins rose and the land. Presbyterian, Lutheran, Baptist, whoever that's born to the Spirit of God shall go in that rapture. I believe that the bride will be called out during that time. I believe there will be some in the last days who won't have to taste death, but will be changed in a moment of twinkling of an eye. Now, but in so much as you notice in Brother Jackson's dream that there was... No writing on this rock on the inside. That's what I went west for. Now, as it happened, now I told you someday I would tell you what it meant. I went west far and told you the vision which the people both on tape and presence this morning will know and take and serve what time is it. And any of you tape brethren that doesn't have that message and want to follow this, take serve what time is it. Before weeks and months before it happened, here I saw the vision of being at Tucson, north of Tucson, that be east of Flagstaff, north of Tucson, 
and would be taken first off on my trouser legs, and a, a blast would go off that would actually look like shake the country. How many of you remember that? That would shake the country. Well, it happens to be that at least one man is present this morning who was standing there when it happened. It actually shook the rocks off of the mountain. And now they, uh, we find out that during that time I saw seven angels in a, in a form of a pyramid that swept down and picked me up. And I was brought east to open the seven seals for God. If you haven't got them, if Jesus tarries, and I, my great-grandchildren, little Paul's children, that will still be the eternal truth of the living God. Now, that was to find out that was sealed inside this mountain that wasn't rope. It had to be interpreted, and when I come back, the first angel on the first night opened the seal, contrary to anything we ever heard in our life. And all seven come out the same way. Amen. You know that. You were here present when it happened, many of you. And now, I didn't know it at that time, but Brother Fred Stockman, I know he's here, and I'm pretty sure Brother Norman is here. If we is up, I had to go to Houston about getting that little boy saved from the electric chair. And then I went back, and I went hunting up there with the brethren. And that morning, I was standing there picking cocoa burrs, or, or what they call goat heads there, burrs off of my trouser leg. And the blast did just exactly the way it said it. Is that right, Brother Fred? And uh, I, I must have jumped way off of the ground. And just above me was the angels of the law that sent message back for me come here to break these seals. Why here? Why the tabernacle? Why did I do it there? Because I made a promise to my church and to God that any new message would come from this tabernacle recorded from here. And he was helping me to keep my word. To stay back here to do it. And then immediately I went back again. And now, I didn't know at the time that they were taking pictures of that. Scientists were also as the angels lowered themselves from heaven to bring the message. And you remember I said the one on the right side of the constellation had his, kind of his chest back and his wings. You remember me saying that, all of you? And how the, I watched him is very distinctly from the other. And uh, I didn't know they were taking a picture of it. Because immediately I hurried east. But going back home to Tucson, there was all through the papers that had been seen almost nationwide or uh, come into Mexico, all the western states. And I think the courier over here, it was on the Associated Press. How many saw mysterious clouds in the sky? You see the hand. And now the Life magazine picked it up. Now I have the, the article here this morning in the Life magazine uh, uh, to show... Now here it is, the same time I was there, see the pyramid of the clown? I was standing just below this. And there, see the distinctive angel on the right hand side? See the pointed wing of it? This is exactly what was said. And here's interviews from Mexico and different places from where they took the picture. Now, this scientist here is trying to 
to get all the information about the picture that he can about the people who has the picture, he's studying it. Now he says here that it would be impossible for it to be a cloud because moisture doesn't um, uh, go over about, I'd say about six or eight miles high, something like that. When we go overseas, we usually fly 19,000 feet, we're above the storm's end. But this cloud, according to this article here of this scientist, is 26 miles high. It would be miles and miles beyond moisture. And he said, check in the area. And now, you know, I, how many remembers that I told you? It sounded like the sound breaker on a plane. Remember? But there was no plane in the district. The book says so here. They checked it. There were no one, no planes up there. And besides, it couldn't, that fog behind a plane is nothing but broken up air, moisture. Because it sucks through this unit. As a jet, as it's pulling itself, it breaks the moisture in the air. They can never get rid of it as long as it's a jet because it's got the, that's what it propels on. And it's the moisture splitting out from it. But here it is, miles above where there could be moisture and no planes in the district. And it couldn't be washed up there and hung up there that day. It's 30 miles across it. 26 miles high. You see, just as the same it was that picture there when I told you the angel of the Lord looked like a pillar five years ago before it was ever took. God! Make that! Recognize! That is truth. And here are the prophecy that was given. God makes science testify. That is the truth. How hard are we saying? I want to keep this for I may speak to a friend of mine's presence this morning to, to uh, write those seven seals. You might want to use this for it. And um, so you have a copy of it. Well, if you get one, hold it for reference. Now, he's wanting to find out, well, what good would Google tell him that? He's laughing he would just merely lay. So don't test our pearls like that. But we know, the church knows, and God knows that it's the truth. And then I was praying on this subject of wondering what would happen to me. And you know where I was at? North of Tucson, east of Flagstaff, just exactly positionally where I told you months before it happened to be standing, and exactly according to this paper here and the papers and this magazine and our own testimony is exactly where it's taking place. God is perfect and cannot lie. And it will come to pass. You remember on the tape, service what time it is, I've quoted over, remember something's fixing to take place major. Now I made the whole nation testify to it. Every newspaper on the Associated Press and one of our leading Magazines and everything else that's all over yet. But what a privileged people, a, a privileged people, it's Christian, to know that in this dark hour when there's no hopes, according to science, there's an atomic bomb waiting for us. I know hopes in our organizations ever getting together, they're consolidating with the mark of the beast. And when all of our hopes that way is gone, in our economy of our Christian fellowship amongst the organizations, hiding up into Catholicism. 
which shall be a mark of the beast in the confederation of church. But in those who love God and are looking for a reality that the very God who made the promise in the Bible spreads it before our face and makes the church and the people in science and magazines and everything recognize that He's still God. And can build a what a time. Then in Sabinia Canyon that morning, praying and wondering what would happen, holding my hands out to God up on top of that mountain, that sword dropped into my hand with a pearl handle and this guard over it and a long blade about three foot long and glistening like pot metal or like chrome, razor sharp. And I didn't know what it was. And I said, I'm afraid of these things. And just then a voice spoke that shook the canyon, that this is the sword of the Lord. And the sword of the Lord is the word of the Lord. Amen. For the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Amen. Then coming back to that, then during that time, a gallant little brother here in the church, and he was a soldier, got blown all to pieces in the army, almost laid out for dead, and said he, that if the medics didn't think he'd live and wasn't even worth fooling with, he was so far gone main nerves in his legs bursted his little arm almost blown completely off his leg one leg off nearly but God seeing grace saved him and healed him one day he, brother Roy Roberson is present when that picture was taken there at Houston how his wife was told by a vision what she'd been doing today and how she had a trouble and would be healed and that brought him a believer but he was being a military man was kind of a uh, I hope he forgives me for saying this from more on the, the rough, precise side. Giving orders in the army as a command of man, he had to sass out and do it. And he, he believed all. But standing and coming around with the church and seeing the supernatural, he said, I believe that, but that's for somebody else. One night, the Lord woke him up one morning. We were sitting, he and I, look like in Jerusalem at the Lord's communion table and I was talking he couldn't understand it and Brother Roy sitting present looking at me right now and he saw it and he called me up in Houston, uh, out in Arizona or sent me a letter and I called him back he said you were sitting there Brother Bram and I saw that big pillar of light come in and get you and take you away from the large table and you went westward because he was sitting on the east side watching me go west and this light come in and take me out and said one morning I had a vision. Got up in the bed about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, something like that, and saw this happen. And said he screamed, looked like for days, Brother Bill, come back! And Roy and I have been real brothers. We uh, live together and hunt together and we're just brothers. And he, he screamed for me until he was hoarse in his throat. Come back! Bring him back! Bring him back! Crying. Then I... Here come that pillar of fire coming back, or a cloud come back. And he set me at the head of the table, and I've been chained. It was a mystery to Brother Roy. Me being changed to look different. I'll lay this up here for something I want to remember. Being changed when I give him the interpretation of it. That's just before I come back for the seven seals. When I come back for the seven seals, then I, one morning, he got a hold of Billy, he wanted to talk to me. And I was busy under prayer for the seven seals. And then 
He told me of, it happened again, repeated again. Brother Roy, if I get this wrong, you, you call my attention. He said he, he got up again in, in the morning, I guess early again in the morning. And there he looked in the room and he saw this big uh, light or a cloud up on a mountain. He asked me, I'm going to something about a cloud being on a mountain. I said, in the Bible, and I said, yes, when Peter, James, and John was tucked up in the cloud, overshadowed the Lord Jesus, and God spoke to this, my beloved son. I preached on that year and a long ago, a little message that tape brothers might understand, hear ye him. I suppose maybe you have it on tape, I'm sure. And he said, he went up the mountain, and when he did, I was standing there, and a voice came from the cloud, was it, Brother Wright? and said, something on this order. This is my servant. I've called him to be a prophet, the age, to lead the people, just as Moses did. And he's been given the authority he can speak into existence. Something like that, like Moses did, like speaking in the flies, and we know about the squirrels and so forth and things that's already took place. Little Hattie Wright back there, I suppose, would know what's taking place in the house. And he told him. But I had done what Moses had done. And I, he told me that coming down after a, a trip. And in my mind, I made up my mind that I was going to go up to Bud's because he's in a bad shape up there as a hunter. Before leaving here, I might drop this in. And we'll hurry. Uh, I dreamed a funny dream, an odd dream. And I hope when my brother-in-law gets hold of this, it doesn't hurt his feelings. And I hope I don't hurt my wife who's sitting present now. But she knows it. About many months ago, right on, was well, around about October, November, I dreamed I, I was a Roman out in the dark. And I, well, I, I had no place to go. And nobody cared for me. And I become a bum. Just a, a bum. And I was cold. And I looked at a distance and I saw fire. And when I got over there, it was a, a city dump. And they had ditches and the fire was in these ditches. And the, between the ditches was slick where bums would sleep there to keep warm, keep from freezing between these fires on a cold winter night. And I, I was cold. And I, I walked up to this fire to get warm and it was laying full of bums. And they were, I didn't see any of them, but they all like had stalls. There are places where their sleeping place was. And I saw my brother-in-law, Fletcher Broad. And Fletcher, I'll remember him. He's a good kid. But this might be a lesson to the young children. <laughs> I remember a few years ago, a handsome young man of James Fletcher Broad. And he got with the wrong craft. And he took his first drink. I remember he called me behind the curtains in my house. And his daddy, gone on to glory years ago, was out there picking a guitar on the hills. Far away stood an old rugged cross. And Fletcher called me back and said, Brother Bill, pray for me. Listen to that piece my daddy's playing. And I've been drinking today. I said, Fletcher, about 18-year-old boy, I said, don't go that route. But he never listened. He went on. He became a complete alcoholic. And his wife left him, his children. And he's just at this hour. 
God knows I love him. I went to pray for him. Just a boom. I went to pray for him here not long ago. He got hurt while I was here at the seven seals. I said, Fletcher, I got a couple suits up there I'd like to give you. He said, don't do it, Brother Bill. Now, I know he had no clothes. And I said, why don't you take the clothes? He said, uh-uh. He looked up at me and said, you know what I do with them. I'm going to get them. Now, I said, I'll give you a little money, Fletcher. He said, no, don't do it, Brother Bill. I, I, I don't want you to do it. He's a real guy hard. But he's become an alcoholic and a bum. And his, his wife has uh, took the wrong road and... All oh, this, everything happened to the poor fellow. And when I woke up, before I woke up, Fletch said to me, he said, in the dream, he said, uh, Billy, I'll, I'll hunt you, please, Brother Bill. You fed my children when they were hungry. He said, you was a daddy to them. I'll find you a place sure to keep warm. And we went walking by the booms places and finally come to a place. He said, I'll sit down here. And I said, I'll walk up here and see if I can find a place. I walked up and looked out into the dark, cold night. Now, look, think of it. One time, God Almighty let me lead His church. One time, He let me preach His gospel and see souls saved. Men and women come from around the world to speak with me for a few minutes. And here I am now, boom. Nobody wants me. I'm cold. What must I do? And I woke up. I told my wife, I said, maybe it means that flesh is in need. So we hurried up to see if we could find him. And his brother found him. He was staying out here. Widener's out there where they have trade horses and things, sleeping in the corner of a barn or something. I went on. I thought, well, just have to let it go. So I've come back down now from Canada with Fred and them the other day. And in my mind, I had it made up. If these people didn't want to hear my message, all right, they didn't have to. I've preached now for about 35 years. In the last 15, 18 years, I've done nothing but just the Lord have tried to live so close to Him and not say a word till He told me first everything. People say, now, Brother Bram tells you He's coming. Remember, look out for a meeting because it's coming in the name of the Lord. You won't do nothing to the Lord. That's right. I waited till He told me. I didn't move till he told me. And then he got sold for the last few months. He didn't tell me nothing about places to go. Then I come down from Canada. Fred told, or Brother Roy told me his dream. As he and I and Brother Banks rode along together just before we separated. And then the next day we got out to Brother Fred's and his boy Lynn wasn't home. So he couldn't come on with us. Him and his wife had to wait. He picked up his wife there at Rosewood or... Melrose, Saskatchewan. And Billy and I come on in Brother Fred's truck. That night we traveled most of the night, the next day. And then on the next morning, we had left Helena, Montana. And was coming on towards the border. And I, I could stay up till about 9 o'clock and I get sleepy. I got to sleep. And Billy, he wants to sleep till about 10 o'clock the next day when the daylight comes up. So it makes it pretty good for us to travel. So I, I got up about 4 o'clock and got started. Driving and Billy was sleeping. We went into a place and I was thinking on my mind, you know what? One of these days, as soon as I get the wife up there, I won't tell her what I'm going to do. But I'll get up there and I'm going to tell her I love this place so well. Nobody of us go anywhere else. Let's just stay here. And that's back from civilization 1,100 miles from anywhere. Way in the world. I thought, well, won't that be fine? I want to have to get a haircut. And I 
I, I won't have to dress up. And I'll just be a, a wrecker of mountaineer. What I always wanted to be. And I said, I've got some guns and some people give me. And I'll be a guide like you never heard of. I'll just love it. Then the Lord tells me, go down and tell somebody something. I'll run out and tell them and come back again. And I'll help Bud. And we'll really have a real place here. I was thinking on that. We went into a restaurant to eat. A little place in the mountain, just about 7 o'clock. It was getting a little late. So I woke Billy up without a gasoline, so I had to get some gasoline and went into this little place, this little restaurant. And while there, a man come across the street, maybe a teeny bit older than I was, but he looked like a man. He had on a pair of overhaul jacket, riding boots, black hat, whiskers down on his face like this, snow white, hair hanging out from under his back of his hat. Oh, that looked like a man. Not some soft, lazy, with a cigar in his mouth about that long, set with a pair of shorts on around some patio or swimming pool, some pot belly Easterners, like excuse that expression. But I did a guy look like a man to me. Hard, rough. Looked like he lived where God made man to live. And I was admiring him. He come into the restaurant and ordered some pancakes. There about 15, 20 people. He had to sneeze. You know how some people are. <laughs> but he let out a great big healthy wood sneeze for truly. Like the wind is blasting. When he did, nobody dared to say nothing. No, sir. I said, Billy, there's a man after my own heart. God, Daddy, you don't want to be like That's what. That's me in the future. I said, that's me. And I... Sat there a little bit. Billy looked up at me and kept on eating his pancakes. And I, I was finished fine. In a few minutes, somebody in a booth right around from us with a board this way of back of the booth. I couldn't see around. A man got up that looked exactly my profile, about 75 years old. Little bitty fellow, his clothes tied on him, ragged. And the buddy that got up with him was Fletcher Broy at exactly. Gray hair hanging in his face. And Billy looked around and said, Daddy, that looks like you and Fletcher. You can imagine how I felt. And the little fellow looked like me, wobbled up. You had been standing over a campfire. Smoke all over him, faces dirty. I think their breakfast together, the man must have paid 20 cents. Maybe a cup of coffee or something. My heart bounced within me. And I watched it. They said, what's the matter with you? I said, nothing. And I watched that. And they went around and went out. He said, Daddy, what's the matter with you? I said, nothing. And he got in the car. I said, he said, do you mind driving again? I said, no. He said, I'm still sleeping. So he went to sleep. And I went speeding down the road about 55 miles an hour in the truck over the mountains, coming on towards the, the border, down to coming home to... Arizona, but I was coming down into Utah. And as I got there, got coming down to the mountains about 20 miles out of the city, just as if you've heard it, as I told you about the morning, about the squirrels and all these things, how something, somebody went to talking to me. A voice just same as you hear mine. I know it sounds neurotically, but as I've got to express it, have I ever told you anything about what was right? And a voice got to talking. I was talking to him. 
It said, carry out your plans and you'll be like that. I said, Lord, I don't want to be like that. That your wife will go to. She won't live up in a field like that. And you'll become a bum. Just as the dream showed you would. I said, I don't want to be that. But the, I, I don't want to have to live like that. I, I want to do something different. But I, I was told that it should call me to be a, a prophet. And I want to live in the wilderness like the prophet. But I was using my own excuse so I could hunt. My own good. And he said, but that was the prophets of the Old Testament. You've been called to be there in a much higher office than that. He said, you had more gifts besides that. You was called to pray for the sick and to preach the gospel and, uh, and the apostolic farms, you know, of greater things. Many great gifts. So why do you wait for me to move you every time you move? Where is your reward? Then I see. And then said, Do you remember? I told you yesterday. Do you remember what Brother Roberson told you? In your dream, in his dream, or vision? That you had done like Moses. You forgot the feeling of your people. You forgot the call that I called you to. I let the sick lay. I want Lord to tell me where to go and not That's wrong. I built myself a complex because the people didn't hear my message. And if you, and God forbid that I try to compare the life of now like Moses, but that's exactly what Moses did. The people wouldn't listen to him when he comes to deliver them, so he just left them alone and went into the wilderness, but God turned him around. And he long forgot the suffering people. And then I said, Lord, if how could I, that's right, with no education, with a grammar school education, be able, and the people stand in rows and everywhere to, to hear the simple gospel? It's more, it's greater now than it was under the old covenant. He ascended on high and gives gifts unto man. Jesus Christ the same yesterday and forever. Then I was talking, and I heard him talking to me, and it left me, and I said, Billy? And he was sound asleep. I said, Billy, was that you? And he didn't even wake up. And I thought, Lord God, I slowed my car down. What does this mean? And I said, Billy? Billy? What do you want? And I said, you talking to me? No. Why? And I said, I want to tell you something. I dreamed a dream not long ago. You've never seen that guy look like me in flesh? Ask the mother when you get back to Tucson. I told her this dream. And Billy, something happened. It's going on now. Something was talking to me, and I, I thought it was you. He looked at me kind of strange and waited a little bit. We drive on. So a few minutes, he went back to sleep again. I was driving along thinking about it. What could that mean? Driving along there in the road, and then all at once, here he comes talking again. And he said, Return! 
Didn't I tell you in the beginning to do the work of the Baptist? When I called you down the river, did not I say that John the Baptist was sent forth to pour on the first coming? Wasn't John more than a prophet? Jesus said to himself, What you go out to see a prophet said more than a prophet. Then it all began to come to me. I began to, to wonder. Then he reminded me again of the of the people. How doing what Moses did, how can Moses reach the people in the wilderness? Well, how can I reach the people in the wilderness? Exactly the same thing. Then it comes this Second Timothy four. Remember when we dedicated the church that morning thirty years ago, some of you old timers, when he showed me them trees and I planted them on both sides. You remember that? You remember the vision, it's all wrote in books and on tapes and everything. And years ago, how I've seen these and I, I never crossed up the oneness in the Trinity. I stood between them and planted these trees, and they were the only two trees that had fruit. Now, all the trees grew up about 30 feet and stopped. These went from into heaven. Broke off of the same branch. See? One on one side and one on the other. Now, broken, you remember the vision. Broken books and said my life story and all. And they went pull up into heaven like that quickly. And he said, hold out your hands for the fruit. And then I found the same fruit in the cross when I run down there and he said, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of your ministry. The time will come when they not in your sound box. Don't quit them. Keep going. That all come into my mind. And then I remember this Marilyn Monroe, the girl that I saw die about a week before she died, and how that they said she committed suicide when she didn't. I told them about it before, what would happen, and it did like did the boxers up there one to go to kill the other. I'm mistaking the girl. There's another girl. There, her cousin is, is, is Danny Henry. Uh, what is her name? Jane Russell, her cousin, a Baptist boy. I was preaching in Los Angeles at the businessman's breakfast and sitting there just laying down on those organizations. And that's that the head man of the assemblies and many of the great dignitaries gathered in there. And when I got through the speaking, they started to leave the platform getting ready because the message was being sent out across the, uh, the nation on radio and I had to change back. Doing this change when they cut off the radio, then to send that message out and come back and announce the station. And I was at Clifton, where we had the breakfast. And as I was walking from the upper platform to the lower, a fine, handsome-looking young fellow, about 30 years old, run forth and threw his arms around me. He said, I'm Danny Henry. And not knowing that was his brother doing a televising. And uh, a televising there for the Christian businessman. And... Jane Russell, that movie star, her cousin, her mother's a Pentecostal preacher. And then when I, they started running to me, and he threw his arms around me and said, God bless you, Brother Branham. He said, I hope this don't sound sacrilegious, but to my way of seeing it, that message could be the 23rd chapter of Revelation. And when he said that, he started speaking in tongues. A boy who never even heard of such a thing. A Baptist by denomination. And he said, he turned white, he looked at me, he didn't know what to do. There's a man sitting here, was there? Wasn't you there, Fred? How many was there at that time? Yeah, there's Was there at that time? And he didn't know what to say. And there's a great, big French woman sitting down here. She raised up, she said, Why, well, that don't need any interpretation, that was purely French. The boy said, I don't know one word of French. 
she wrote down what he said. And then there's a man sitting on the corner. He said, that's correct. I've got to wrote down what he said in French. Way back in the back, a blonde-headed, handsome-looking fellow stood up against the wall, come forward to compare notes. He was the interpreter for the UN for French. And this man over here was Victor Ledoux of the Army Big Church out there. And he wrote it down, and I've got the interpretation to it. Listen to this. If I can read it. I, Victor Ledoux, am a full-blooded Frenchman, born-again Christian, filled with the Holy Spirit. My address is 809 North King Road, Los Angeles, 46. I attend uh, the Bethel Temple, Pastor Arne Big Pastor. A true translation that I proclaim, a prophecy set over Brother Branham, given by Danny Henry in French, February the 11th, 1961, at the Four Gospel Businessman's Breakfast. A true translation of the prophecy. Now here's what it says. Because thou hast chosen the narrow path, the harder way thou hast walked in your own choosing. I can see that Moses had to make his choice too. Thou hast picked the precise and correct way, correct decision, and it is my way. Underline. My way. The Holy Spirit speaking back. Because of this momentous decision, a huge portion of heaven awaits you. Awaits thee. What a glorious decision. Now listen close. What is the glorious decision thou hast made? This in itself is that which will make and come to pass the tremendous victory in the love divine. You notice? It's the verb before the adverb. The French. Now the UN interpreter interpreted that, and the boy knows not one word. Never heard, never heard such things speaking down. It's a madness. Just happened to drop in there, hear that music, and then come up there, stand up there and listen to me free. Now, in the love divine, divine love, how can that be divine love if it isn't the, the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is divine love. Now, and as Billy and I started on down the road, see, started going on down the road, Billy went to sleep again. And it said, I'll give you an everlasting sign. I said, Lord, what? I wait a little bit, nothing happened. I said, what is the everlasting sign, Lord? And I waited a few minutes. And just then, I looked over to see Billy. He was asleep. And he said, I'll give you an everlasting sign again. He said, look westward from where you're at. And I turned my head like this in the truck to look, slowed down real, and oh my, the Spirit of the Lord, I felt like I could scream and cry. I looked, and I just saw a mountain with white caps on it. I said, I don't know. See no everlasting sign about that. He said, your name is wrote all over it. Oh, I thought, what is that? And I got real weak, and I started stopping. Billy raised up and said, What's the matter with you? Now I told my hands like this, perspiration dropping off my hand. That's blowing. I said, Billy, something's happening. At one time, I know what I've done wrong. 
I know that I failed God. And look like I can hear that song being sung and see thousands of mixed people, lame, halt, blind, and withered, hear a choir, a voice of some great, uh, renowned voice singing, Unclean, unclean, the evil spirits drove me. You know the song then, Jesus came and set the captive free. I could see the sick lines laying everywhere. And I had to stop. Really didn't know what was taking place. And I looked up, I stopped and looked up on the mountain. And I seen those seven hills now here if you want to see something. There were seven peaks on top of a mountain, one mountain, that run for several miles. The last mountain before you go into the other country. No more mountains after that. And it was running from east to the west. The mountain set. And it was snow capped on top. The first two small peaks, and then a, a large peak, and then another small peak, and then a larger peak, and then a small peak, and then a great, large, long, snow capped mountain. And I said, Lord, I do not understand what that means. He said, How many peaks are there? I said, There's seven. How many letters is in your name? B-R-A-N-H-A-M. M-A-R-R-I-O-N. B-R-A-N-H-A-M. And there were three outstanding peaks. He said those three peaks are the first, second, and third pull. The first one was your first part of your ministry. Small hill. Then your first pull. Pretty high, you know. Sign the hand. Then there was a little interview in there. The time that I was taken off from being too tired. Many of you remember. And then comes the discernment, the second pool. Now, I've had another about few years here. I've just come here a little deep. See, that's like my ministry was. And then comes the third one. Three is a number of completion. See? The third one. The next peak was five. Number of grace. And the next peak was seven, a number of, of profession. The end. Six days shall you labor the seventh of the Sabbath, the end of the week, the end of time. And I stopped and I showed it to Billy. And I looked at that and he said, that, let that stand if there's ever a doubt in your mind. Remember this place. Come back here. And Billy punched me on the shoulder and said, Daddy, look eastward. And how it ever happened, I don't know, but there on the east side of the road was that burning dump. Miles and miles from any kind of a city, an old rubbish heap dump laying on the left hand side of the road. I am returning to the field. Amen. Older, young, live or die. I'll obey God until death shall set me free. I have failed the law. Not willing. Whether I may, I've tried. Let me insert this. More tape left. Let me insert this. I've wanted. I've wanted to see Jesus Christ. Manifested without one flaw. 
And let the brethren who hear this tape in this church remember from this day. The reason you haven't had no flaws, the reason all these years you can't say one thing that ever said or done for what it happened. I challenge anybody to bring any of the thousands of things on the platform and the discernment and the prediction of what would happen has happened exactly to the letter. Now, the church believes that, say amen. There's not a person in the world can show one. But be it known to the church here and to the church hereafter, if God pushes a man through a pipe and he don't move at all, until God tells him there's no faith connected with it. It's God pushing you to something. And it's built the ministry to a place to where there's nobody can say one word against it. But from henceforth, let me first speak to you in the name of the Lord before you listen. Because I must go out by faith. I must do it by faith whether I'll think it's right or wrong or what I do the best of my choosing and then go do it. Because it hasn't been wrong, it's because I've waited that he told me to go do it. I've waited for him, so it wasn't me, it was him. But you see, even the great St. Paul got between the straits one time. And many times that God has did things, or let his service do it, that was mistake, in order to prove these things. Now, we know that human beings can make mistakes, but God can make no mistakes. But now, if I get into the field of preaching and going the way I, I do, then I have to set up meetings ahead and, and get things lined up, and perhaps this is that great time coming that we've been looking for. And surely, if this in itself is a tremendous thing that will bring to pass and make from the past the tremendous victory in the love divine, that's the verb before adverb, and it's divine love, which is God. See? And then it takes the love of God to dash out there on the front line and stand in the gap for the people. And these Rickies and Rickettas, that are so sass the words that I'll call them Ricky and Rickettas, God gives me to understand I shouldn't do that because that many of them are still His children. Um, they can't help because they act so much different some of these old cold formal churches that's got them, that spirit upon them. And they're in much in, in prison as Israel was in prison. Just as much as Moses went to deliver them from slavery. Human beings that love Jesus Christ would serve Him if they only know what to serve Him by. Amen. And there is bondage under denominationalism that tells them, don't you do this and don't you do that. But the call of God must come. Whoever wants to march towards the faith, let him march. Hallelujah. We're on our road to the promised land. Amen. Let them come march. We're on our road to meet Christ at the end of time. And I wanted to bring this to you so that you would see and show you that the mistake that a man can make yet being sincere. Moses lost the feeling of his people. Because they wouldn't listen to him. And Brother Roy, you see your dream? And now, I cannot go with a ministry like that until I feel different in my heart about it. No matter if God did tell me. But that 
Friends, that changed it, Brother Roy, that saved coming. Something's got to change me. Because I, in my heart, if I go out there feeling the way I do now, I still feel that they are to hear that message you are to done. And I don't have the feeling for the people that I should have. Until I can get that feeling, it's only in me going because I'm a hypocrite. And all these years I've tried to serve him with a true heart. Now I won't go out there being a hypocrite. I've got to feel that, that it isn't Ricky and Ricketta. And it isn't this but It's God's children that's in bondage and I must go through that. Until I can feel that way, I'll just have to walk around. Preach some conventions and things. But wait. Got a little song. I can't sing. I'd just like to quote it to you. We're kind of mapped out. I ain't got it filled out yet. It ain't wrote right. I don't know where I could even read it or not. It's in the tune of the battle hymn of Republic. Glory, glory, hallelujah. You've heard it. Glory, glory, hallelujah. How many, of course, we all heard that. The circuit rider preacher went riding through the land with a rifle on his shoulder and a Bible in his hand. He told the prairie people of a blessed promised land as he went riding, singing along, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arm, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arm. He preached a coming judgment of fire and brimstone and a glorious endless heaven of the justified alone as he rode across the mountain. You could hear him sing this song as he went riding on. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, oh, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb, the old circuit preacher. You remember him? Now his rifle's old and rusty. And it's hanging on the wall. His Bible, very worn and dusty, and they seldom touched it all. That's right. But the message that it brings us will meet us on that day for God's truth. Still marching on. Oh, glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. It is truth is marching on. We'll learn that. I stood this morning when I was writing that down. Put my hand on the whole rifle, hang on the water, so it won't be long. Hallelujah. 
Bibles, old and rusty, as it's hanging on the wall. That's right. And the Bible's war is dusty, and it's seldom touched at all. But his message from this Bible, his judgment one day, and his truth keeps marching on. God's truth of this Bible. Yeah. He's described as the same yesterday, today, and forever. The old circuit preacher with his rifle across his back, the Bible in his hand, rode across the prairies before the mountains down to the ditches and everywhere, preaching of a coming millennium, of a coming fiery judgment for the unjust, and of preaching a kingdom of God for the just. It's true, the old Winchesters are rusting away, and the Bible, they... They've got some sex book instead of it. But God's truth still marches on. He makes itself this as real today and proves it as it ever was. God's truth keeps marching on.
again real soon. Until then, will you do this one favor for me now, both here and all tapes also? Dear brothers, pray that God will place into my heart that something that I lost out there in that complex. It's so easy to build a complex. I had an interview the other day with my brother Wade sitting here. Standing here, brother. A good man, but built himself around a complex. Another kind of a complex. Did the same thing, brother Wade. You can so easily do it. Uh, just, you just give a little something in your mind. Keep thinking that way. Go back and check it with the scriptures. See if it's right. And then go from there. Yeah. Don't lose the feeling of the people. And you must remember, they're not made out of sawdust. They're flesh and blood. Human beings in the soul. Pray for me, all of you, if you will. God bless you now. We're going to bow our heads and ask Brother Rudd to feel more. Okay, brother. I went to see that a lot with you at this moment. But I went to see that laid that rod down for some purpose. And that rod was restored to me because the Spirit of God used that rod. And the Spirit of God is upon me this morning. I was laid by the Spirit, thus said the Lord, the Lord God will be with me, and shall go with thee, and you shall perform the word that you spoke to me. Praise be to God. This is a minister. Somebody might not know. And he was one of the group that didn't have time this morning. It was in one of those dreams speaking. I mean, going the other way. He's going west, going out west on this last time. Brother J.T. Parnell. Now, there might be strangers that wonder about people having dreams of dreamers. No, we don't go for all kinds of dreams. But we believe that the Bible said, and it shall come to pass in the last days that I'll pour out my spirit upon the people. And they shall prophesy and shall see visions and dream dreams. And as long as that's in the lids of the Bible, it's my duty to believe it and to preach it. And when people tell dreams that the Lord doesn't give the interpretation, we let it go. If it's something, when anyone speaks with tongues, it must be something to the church and must happen to. We don't, it'd be an evil spirit. It must come to pass. Because the interpretation of tongues is prophecy. We know that's right. So we try here to live the Bible just the way it's taught. Take nothing away from it or add nothing to it, but just live it the way it is. The Lord be blessed. That helps me, Brother J.T., to believe that God didn't tell me to go out now and compromise the sin. But just go out and just keep on doing things. Um, let us pray now, Brother.
See, I'm so thankful it happened just now instead of waiting until we got away. See the grace of God? The Lord be blessed. Let us just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you now for your goodness and your mercy. You're ever in our midst. Give me, Lord, oil in my life. Give me the, 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 the rod of the Lord that I might stretch it out up over the sick and afflicted. That I might bring it out upon to bring deliverance to those who are needy and judgment to those who are rejected. Granted, Father, we thank you for all your goodness in the name of Jesus Christ. Brother Ruddles? Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the words that we've heard. Lord God, we believe it with all of our hearts. May you bless our brother, Lord, and give him the change that he speaks about, and we know that it will come. Father, we thank thee for this act of grace that we've just witnessed and seen to confirm your word to be the truth. Uh, now, Lord God, may we be in prayer for our brother with all of our heart and hold him up. May, Lord God, we come back tonight and hear this message. And may, Lord God, it stir up the gift of God in us. May, Lord God, it, it make us aware of the time that we're living. May you bless each one of these people, Lord God, and be in our midst in a special way. Bless this place. Lord God, may everyone that enters the door... May, Lord, he have the peace and the grace and the power of God in his heart and in his life. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I want to announce before you go.